I always want to tell y'all like, I hope you had a good weekend because these are posted or are available on Mondays. Um, and just, yeah, I hope that that's relative to you. And if it's not, you can, (laughs) you can send me an email and tell me to, to open with something else on that note. I really should, (laughs) I should figure out what I should open with. Is that a thing? Our our podcast open with like a specific thing. Anyways, today is Monday and it's my Monday and I just got done with the weekend. So, um, thanks for asking. I did enjoy my weekend. It was good. Actually, this was like my first, you know, it's like pride month, right? But this is kind of like the big pride weekend. And it was my first time ever really being able to like experience pride in a way that felt like it sort of belonged to me. Um, you know, even though I've identified as queer for several years, I generally speaking pride weekend here in Denver falls on coincides with father's day. Right. And like now I have children of my own and, and you know, the relationship that I have with my own father. And so, and also I used to manage barbershops for those of you that didn't know that. And so anyways, I've just always worked. It's never really been available to me. Um, and this weekend I like got to experience it a little bit and I had a blast and found myself sort of feeling emotional, um, which caught me off guard, like in a, in a really good way, you know, it just felt like very, um, there's this word again, community, you know, like I just felt like very inside myself and inside my skin and the irony and maybe it's not all that ironic, but, um, I actually got to spend it with my ex-husband and my kids yesterday. We went to, um, a, uh, queer and female owned brewery here in Denver called gold spot. They were doing like a big, a big queer beer fest. And we went and had a beer and just, um, listened to like exceptionally gay music and it was a really good time. And so I'm really glad that I got to experience that. And now I am just like kind of floating on in, um, to, my birthday week, my birthday is, um, in two days on June 30th. And, um, today is actually, it's, I'm, I'm recording this on June 28th and it is the eighth anniversary of my mother's death. And I realized that like death and grief and, um, sort of like feelings in general bring up a lot of feelings for people. And so, Um, as you're listening to me saying this, I don't want you to feel sad in a way of like, Oh God, this must be like a really, you know, like a sad day for her. I don't feel sad, you know, like I, I don't feel sad about her death or I don't feel like I am actively still grieving. I find myself feeling curious, thinking about what my life might look like if she were still here, I find myself feeling like really introspective, especially because, um, of the fact that she died a couple days before my birthday. Um, and if you know me in real life, you know that I am very cancerian in that I am very into my birthday. Um, I do not, uh, fear or feel shame in regards to getting older. I feel like it's a privilege 
um, it feels really good to me. I feel um, really excited, generally speaking, about my birthday and what's to come um, and looking to the future and also just like taking a couple beats to like relish in the things that I'm experiencing now. And so I actually want to, I'm going to circle back to this. Um, but I wanted to kind of jump right into some of the questions that I got and uh, just some things that y'all shared with me. Um, if you have like a question for me or a story to share, you are always welcome to send them to yours and butter at gmail.com. Um, and as always, if you don't really sign the email, um, I am assuming that you would like to stay anonymous. So without further ado, the first question or rather statement or tidbit that I received, which also I, I do this often, right? Where I like call out for your opinions or your stories and like, please, I, I love getting response to that. So, um, hi Ava. I just listened to the episode about tomatoes and one of my favorite things to do is dehydrate or sun dry them on my own. Jenny in West Virginia. Um, so I love that somebody said this. I feel like sun-dried tomatoes, I feel like they're very 90s, okay? But just like, hold on, don't burn me at the stake. Just give me a moment. I do. I feel like they were like very... um like sort of niche and like fancy, like in the nineties and we were doing like sun dried, uh, pasta salad and like pizzas and all these things. Right. Um, I feel like you can still find them in like random pasta dishes at like big chain restaurants and like, but on that note, I also feel like they are like underrated. I mean, I, I do think that they they were given this moment where it was like, Jesus Christ, like we don't need to put them on everything. Um, but sometimes I find myself feeling like, Oh shit. Like I forgot like how good these can be. I also, I think I have dehydrated tomatoes on my own maybe one time. My father had a dehydrator when I was a kid and like dehydrated the shit out of things for a while. I remember him doing that. And I, I wish that I could report more on DIY sun-dried tomatoes or dehydrating them on your own. Um, and I realize that this is advice and you're not asking me a question, but I do have to agree with you. I, I mean, I buy them out of the package. I don't, I don't like the ones that are packed in oil as much as I like the ones that you can just get that are like straight, just dehydrated, whatever, sun-dried tomatoes. You know what I'm saying? The ones that are packed in oil, I feel, um, I'm going to spare you on what my opinion of them the way that they taste. Um, but I do, I do prefer the ones that are without the oil that are just as is. Um, and so I am with you and I am curious to hear more about some of y'all that are like sun drying them on your own. Like, are you at, like, are literally you're sun drying them or are you putting them in a dehydrator? Call me back and let me know because I am really curious about that. I, yeah, no, I could bang on about this for a while, but yes, I am with you. I don't do it on my own, but I, I do like the idea and I like the texture of them. So, oh, and that's from Jenny in West Virginia. So, hey, Jenny, thank you for that. 
Um, the next question is anonymous and that is how do you find the time to date? Um, (laughs) I don't. Um, and I will say more about that, but okay. So for context purposes, I have been separated since early October of 2020. Um, I moved out at the end of December from my then husband's house. I moved out at the end of December and I didn't even consider the idea of dating until March of 2021. Um, and even then I felt a lot of feelings around it. I, you know, I, there was also mm, some feelings of like, not just hesitation, but kind of guilt, you know, like, um, that was like before my children were in childcare and I was really still doing it all, um, in terms of like, you know, I had them the majority of the time. Uh, I was also still working full time and, you know, like managing and growing my business, which is my bakery here in Denver, Buttermoon. In fact, as I am saying this, and this has been a common theme, is I'm still actually trying to wrap my brain around how all of us sort of like survived and made it, Um, you know, like January through the end of March. My children started daycare full time at the beginning of April, and that was not a good time. (laughs) I was just like straight up not, um, that was like a really very whirlwindy and, um, you know, there were like soft spots there and like good moments. And I will, um, carry that time with me super close to my heart because it feels like it pressed on me in just like so many ways aside from just kind of, you know, things that you would naturally assume or take away from that. But Dating accidentally happened to me. I had never um, been on like online dating ever before, you know, like any of the apps or the things that are available now, just um, when I started dating my husband or when we got married and the length in which we were together, that's just like not something that I um, experienced. And so I actually, (laughs) I like very vividly remember what I was doing the first time that I created like an online dating profile and I actually used photos of my plants because I really just wanted to kind of like fly under the radar and like just kind of scope some shit out and like dip dip my toe in the water and I was like holy shit (laughs) it was just like not it was not it was not good um it was like weird and bizarre, but also it was like one of those things, right? Like you fall into this black hole of like, holy fuck, it actually can't be that bad. Turns out for the most part, it really was that bad, but <laughs> like, whatever. I'm like, here I am. And I survived like the, the, the great online dating, um, like <laughs> shit show of 2021. Um, and like, here I am. And I am dating and I think as like a, uh, a single mom and just because of like my personality in general, 
as I was saying earlier, like there was some guilt associated there, right? Like I was, I was willing to like offer up a part of me and a portion of me to somebody else, you know, like other than my children, when I already felt like I was not, um, like this version of, of a mom that I wanted to be. And so I also am getting over that still. Um, I feel more inside of myself, you know, especially as I, um, sort of settle into being queer and like being able to exist in that space and, and honor that in myself. Um, I am feeling less guilty and more excited and hopeful about like what my, my identity and like, and my relationing and, and my dating, like what that is going to look like and what that means just for myself as an individual. And, um, and, and also what that eventually means for my family, you know what I'm saying? And so to answer your fucking question, finally, (laughs) how do I find the time? Um, I am of the idea that you make time for the things that are important to you. And so I think that that's what I'm doing right now. You know, I, um, I feel fortunate to be sort of sharing my time, um, in that way, um, with, with one individual, right? Like I, I feel like I am, I am not like a serial dater in the way of like, I, I'm not interested in dating like a ton of people at the same time. Like I, y'all can do whatever you want, whatever feels good and authentic to you and yourself. Um, that said, I also feel really fortunate that I was able to like, you know, meet someone that I connected with, like, you know, pretty quickly off the bat. And so I find myself like making time for one person and getting to know one person. And that's what works for me. And also like, I, I enjoy this person and I enjoy their company. And so that also feels, you know, like I'm, I'm doing myself a solid and honoring myself. Right. Like, but the idea of like, you know, having, a million dates with like a million different people every week. Like that sounds like really overwhelming and like not super great to me. So I feel like I'm just making time, you know, and I'm, and I'm evaluating and assessing what that looks like for my life and my kid's life and my work life and my, my self life, you know, and like, and just kind of balancing all that. And I wish that I could tell you, I don't necessarily wish, but I mean, I'm not going to tell you that it's always necessarily easy, but what I am doing feels like organic and good and, and as easy as it can be, you know what I'm saying? Like it, I don't think that anything like this is ever going to be easy. You know, like I don't just happen upon this time. Right. I mean, it's something that I make. And so, yeah, I hope that that answers your question. It's like an active choice that I have to make, you know, and I feel like that's, it's kind of across the board for everyone really. Um, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I don't feel like I am. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. Um, oh, this is a good one. I, (laughs) 
Um, hey, Ava, I got a ton of garlic scapes from the farmer's market yesterday, and I'm wondering what you would do with them. And this is from Liz. Um, hi, Liz. What's funny is that one of my best friends who sits right next to me at the market, her name is Mel, and she owns Nectar Cocktails. Um, she like wild out at, at the farmer's market this weekend and bought, which I'm actually like really proud of her because I, I know the feeling well of like wanting to do all the things and like cook all the things and create all the things, but not having all of the time or all of the resources or all of the rest in order to make all of those things happen. But shout out to my best friend, Mel. Hey girl. Hey. Um, she came back with like a shitload of garlic scapes and then like a million other things that she was just like, so hyped on to make for dinner. And, um, actually as I record this, like, I hope that you are like prepping your life away and like getting ready for dinner tonight. Yes, girl. Um, I, I love that for her. And I, like I said, I know that feeling well of just being like, I am committing this time to like cooking and creating a meal that I love and like nothing is going to stand in my way. So anyways, in Mel's case, I know that she was going to use her garlic scapes in a pesto, which honestly, given this time of year and the other things that are available to you. And I feel like garlic scapes, like you want it to be the star of the show, right? Like, I mean, you want like highlight the garlic scapes. I feel like a pesto is such a good way to do that. And I, you know, people are like, Oh, pesto and pasta. And like, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, universal. They like hold hands together, you know, but also like pesto and eggs. And like pesto as a base for avocado toast. And also you can use pesto like right now, today, as a matter of fact, I know that like people are probably going to try to burn my house down as I say this, because I know how mother loving hot it's been across the country and like, don't burn my house down because I also just hung out in like a hundred degree weather for two weeks. Um, and actually we just got like a respite and it's been like rainy and in the seventies. And can I just tell you? And so like pesto drizzled, like in a soup, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking like something that's like bright and lemony with like a little pesto drizzle, drizzle garlic scape moment. I feel like that's a really good idea. Um, that's what I would do. <laughs> That's what Mel's doing. That's what I would do. But like I said, I would, I would consider getting semi-creative and not feeling like you have to be tethered to like a pasta dish. You know what I'm saying? Like actually, seriously, pesto as a base for like avocado toast or even like a breakfast sandwich is one of my favorite ways to use pesto. So consider that. And I hope that that's helpful to you. Um, Another question, and I think, yeah, this is the last one. Um, hey, Eva, I'm wondering how your kids, specifically Scarlett because she's older, feels about you dating women. What, if anything, have you told her about sexuality? Woo! This is a whole ass question. This is a whole ass question that I could dedicate to like a whole ass episode. And I feel like there's always one of these every single week. And if you listen to these, like if, if somebody's binging my podcast, you're probably like, bitch, you say this every single episode. It's true. I do. There really is. There's like generally speaking one question a week that I'm like, yes, I could like put all of my 
eggs in this basket. And I could talk about this one thing um, to summarize. Scarlett's going to be five at the end of August. Her birthday is August 20th. And I feel like what I have done in terms of sexuality and like teaching or speaking or whatever is like to normalize everything. You know what I'm saying? Like to just normalize whatever it is. And so I feel like one of the best things and something that comes the most natural is in, in terms of like, you know, not having to make something a thing and to just sort of like let it exist on its own is to just like normalize, you know, uh, seeing like two men holding hands or kissing in the grocery store or witnessing, um, you know, two like, uh, femme or female presenting. And like, like, I understand that like gender is also like a construct and that there are like non-binary folks. And so yes, like we, and that's a whole other conversation and episode. And we also talk about that and, you know, and normalizing that, but I have not had like a sit down conversation with Scarlett about sexuality per se. Also, for as curious as she is, and I don't know if this is because like, I'm just, you know, like I wouldn't say Frank, right? Because I mean, I, I want her to, you know, like I, I'm trying not to like dig myself like this fucking hole right now. Okay. But like, I don't know. I just, I don't make this a thing, right? Like I just try to have all situations and all I don't know, relationships. I try to normalize all of that. And so also it should be known that like my children and furthermore, Maddox is not even quite one yet. And so this is all relative to him, right? But specifically for Scarlett, my children don't necessarily know that I am dating per se, right? Like that's not, um, that's not something that I am, that I talk about with Scarlett, Um, I, I feel like that would be weird as that's a weird conversation to have with a five-year-old. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not answering your question. Am I, (laughs) I'm trying. And I actually tried to like, I, I did this in my head before I sat down to record and I still don't feel like I'm doing the best job, but I hope to better answer your question. I'm doing my best, especially in, in regards to like relationing to just normalize all the things, right? Like we talk about, um, something that's easy to digest is for kids. In my opinion, I'm not an expert is like, um, who's in your house, who's in your household. And, and sometimes that looks like, uh, some folks having two daddies and sometimes that looks like folks having two mommies. And so, does she know that for me? I don't think so. But also when the time comes, um, you know, if, if I, you know, like meeting the, the person that I am sharing my time with or 
whatever, you know, I, I hope at this point, because of the conversations that we've had and sort of like the, the culture that I create in my own household, I hope that it's also just not a thing for her. You get what I'm saying? So anywho, I hope that that semi answers your question. No, I'm not wearing a shirt that says like, um, I make out with girls and like try to explain that to my kids. Like, I, but I also like, let's, let's also like normalize that. So it doesn't have to be a thing. Okay. That's, that's that on that. That's all I got. And I hope that that was helpful to you. So, um, circling back to earlier in this episode of talking about like grief and like, um, parents and, and mothering and motherhood and the relationship that we have with our mothers, I was recommended by like three people fairly recently to read or listen to crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. And what's funny or ironic is at the, I did not actually know what it was about. I had no idea what it was about. I knew that like several people had, um, had recommended it to me, you know, via like Instagram DM or, um, and actually I think, and then maybe like one of my buddies face to face was like, you know, you'd really like this book. And I assumed that it was, you know, H Mart, whatever. I assumed that it was just like food and, um, and it, you know, obviously this is why people are recommending this book to me. Right. And so, um, I am being shit at actually reading right now, which is like really unfortunate, <laughs> especially, especially in terms of like being a writer and wanting to, wanting to do that and be a writer and, and publish books and these things, right? Like reading is actually really important to that process, specifically to my process, um, and I've just been garbage at it. Like I'm really, I'm not actively reading right now. And so I checked out the audio version of crying in H Mart and I'm number one, just like, you know, as I'm listening to it, I'm like, okay, number one, this is why people are recommending this book. And so if you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, um, crying in H Mart is this book about a woman who lost and is losing, you know, is losing her mother, um, to cancer in this book and, and like sort of like reconnecting through food and like nostalgia. And, um, I hope that I am doing at least like a small, I, I hope I'm like describing this book in a way that is meaningful to other. I hope that those of you that have read or listened to this book are not like, what the fuck are you talking about? I feel like that's fairly accurate for like a very summed up summarized version of what this book is actually about. But so I just started listening to it last Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and those are the days that I um, start prepping for production for the bakery. And so, you know, normally I listen to music and I'm like, very like, nah, nah, nah. Like I can't listen to like podcasts or books when I work because, you know, I'm like so focused on my work and like, I just kind of tune everything out, you know, music only. I do that thing, right? Like I have these arbitrary rules sometimes, which are so fucking stupid. 
Um, but I turn on this book and I'm like immediately, I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Number one, I'm totally understanding why people are recommending this book. And number two, how fucking timely, because like I said, you know, now we're within a week of the passing of my own mother. And so, you know, it was just one of those things that like crawled up inside me and like made a nest and like rearranged my organs and like punched my heart a couple of times and like stomped on my gut and just like, fuck me. I mean, what's really brilliant though, I must say is it, it was like a combination of things, but like I just, I felt like very in my groove with my work last week. Like I felt very in it. I felt, um, really productive. Oh my God. I'm going to sneeze. <sighs> Have you ever sneezed while you're recording a podcast? <laughs> because that's exactly what just happened. Um, I'll be curious to see if the producer decides to edit this out, but that was so crazy. Anyways, I felt like, so I just felt good like about my work and the work that I accomplished. And, um, I actually found myself like kind of focusing more, which was surprising and shocking. But anyways, I also was like rolling around in my feelings, obviously. And, and not only because of the ways in which I felt connected to you know, the book itself, but just, I found myself being like so fucking seen and so validated on the nuance and like the complications of like this mother daughter dynamic and, and how, um, food is like sort of this bridge, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like it doesn't really matter what relationship you are in, you know, if it, if it's with your mother, I feel like this is a common theme in sort of life in general. Um, and like peopling, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes, like maybe it's a language barrier with your neighbor, but, uh, y'all exchange food and feed one another. And so like, that's your way of connecting or, um, you know, like, I mean, whatever the cute, maybe it's like with your, you know, like a, your grandmother who, you know, like that, that relationship can also look kind of weird, but maybe that's how y'all vibe and connect with one another is by like sharing recipes and like learning things from her. And so just thinking about, first of all, her voice is astounding, right? She's also a singer um, and plays in a band. And one of the things that happened to me, especially early on recording this podcast is the amount of messages I received about like what it, you know, like it's, it's so great to actually hear your voice and like what a voice you have. And I feel like I got to experience that with her. It was just, it was so beautifully written, but it was also, and, and potentially more so for me, I don't generally listen to books um, I like to read them, um, but just like, fuck me, I, the whole thing, like, it was just so beautifully said and verbalized and vocalized, like her voice just, and the way that she read her own book just made me have 2 million feelings, but it made me 
obviously think about, um, like I said, I felt like super seen and just like, I found myself and I actually, there were a couple moments in the book where I was listening to it and I had like flour all over my hands and like, I could not get to a pen and I'm really fucking bummed that I didn't make more of an effort to do that, or at least like pause and rewind or whatever. There were a couple moments in that book where I was like, damn, like, yes. Like, you know, like that feel like you put a name to that and that's exactly what that looks like. That's exactly how I feel. And so, um, my mother was not a good cook. Um, in fact, you know, there were a lot of times where I just like crossed my fingers that like whatever we were going to eat for dinner, um, was not like fucked. You know what I mean? Like that sounds terrible and I'm fully aware of that, but like, um, we ate out of like necessity. Okay. Like my mother made, um, dinner and, and whatnot. My mother was always really big on breakfast. Always. Like we were breakfast eaters in my house. And so I have these memories of her, um, like feeding me like cream of wheat and, um, and I don't eat cream of wheat now, but you bet your ass that every single time that I see a box of it, I'm like that my mother lives inside of that box of cream of wheat and also just like random things, you know, and like thinking about the relationship that I had with her, she had me when she was super young, she was 17. And so, you know, saying things like my mother made dinner out of necessity. I mean, like we raised one another, you know what I'm saying? But also in the ways that my mother wasn't a great cook, she loved great food. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like that was sort of, um, I remember that about her and I remember her enjoying certain meals or like getting really excited. And I, you know, I'm not talking about like five star. I mean, I'm talking about Taco Bell. Okay. Like, like just to be super honest, or like, I'm talking about, um, sharing artichokes with her and like, what a, um, what a rarity and what a treat that was, you know, because my mother certainly was not buying artichokes on a regular basis. Right. But that felt like royalty and like, um, this thing that we shared, right? Like the older that I got and like the older that she got, um, there, our relationship was complicated, you know? And it was also like muddled and like kind of fucked with like, um, substance abuse on her end and, and, and all of these other, just, I feel like, you know, aside from substance abuse, just like kind of normal coming of age, especially when you're a teenager and you're giving birth, like coming of age across the board, I feel like there were lots of times that her and I, the way that we bridged our, our own gap was through food and, and, and maybe it wasn't necessarily 
the fact that I was like learning recipes from her or, you know, she was like passing along like great cooking techniques. I mean, like how we shared and like cooked meals together was like writing me a note when I, cause I was absolutely a latchkey kid was to like come home and like, or like before you go to school, your ass better pull the chicken out of the freezer for dinner. Okay. Does anybody like, I know that some of y'all listening to this are going to be like, yes, that was a thing. And like, if you forgot to do that, like you might as well just like not even come home from playing outside that night because your ass was grass. I mean, I can't even, I can't even tell you the number of times that I really did. I would like forget to do it in the morning. And so I would like get home and like run home from the bus stop, like frantic to somehow figure out how to defrost frozen <laughs> chicken breasts. Um, I actually have this, this memory. I was in maybe fifth grade and that's exactly what happened. I was like, shit, I forgot to pull out the chicken. And so, you know, like I was going to go play with my friends after school. And instead I was like, I have, I have to tend to the chicken. I have to like defrost this chicken. Right. So I like run home and I'm like frantic. Right. Like, cause I, I mean, I know the rage that existed within my mother, especially within my single mother's body and like how over it she was at the end of her day. And so I'm like running water on this chicken and it's like not thawing fast enough. And so I like put it in the microwave and I don't think, or I don't know, you know, that you, there's like a defrost action that you can use. But I just remember like the chicken is like partially cooked at this point. Right. So like now I have like drenched it in like hot water and also it's like not in a bag as I'm doing this. Right. Like it's just, I have so much shame saying this out loud. It's just like chicken in the sink with like hot water running on it. And now it's in the microwave on a plate and it's like partially cooked, but I'm feeling like pretty good about it. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I've like saved some time. Now it's like four, but we're like in good shape, right? Like she's never going to know. So then, so then I put this chicken in a pot and I have four, like literally I'm like, okay, I'm going to take it a step further. Like so I almost fucked dinner by not pulling this chicken out of the freezer. Let me just make dinner. Okay. And I was like, I was always, I have always been like a very adventurous eater. Um, and like wanting to cook at a young age. It's just that I was like reading, um, what is that book? Creme de Colorado. Do y'all remember that book? If you're from Colorado, um, just like reading cookbooks and like watching cooking shows. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to nail this. You know what I mean? So I take a bottle of soy sauce and I literally like unleash this entire, not like a sprinkling or a smattering of soy sauce. The chicken is in the bottom of the pot and I am like submerging all of the chicken breast with a bottle of soy sauce. And then I like take, I don't know, just like some amount, some arbitrary amount of like the jarred garlic. Pretty sure I've talked about that in one of my episodes. My mother loved that shit. I don't use it, but 
I don't knock y'all if you do, but I remember putting some of that. And then also ginger powder. <laughs> it was like, we're doing this Asian situation. I'm going to make rice. Like everything is going to be great. Anyways, as you can imagine, like chicken submerged in soy sauce that is partially cooked. It just was not, it wasn't a good look y'all. And I remember this is comical, but like also I, my mother was furious. Okay. And like, I feel connected to her in ways that obviously were not available to me as an 11 year old child, but as a mother and as a single mother myself, you just like want to come home and you just like want to eat dinner or like you want to make something really quick because your kid did what you asked them to do, which was like take out the fucking chicken. And like, you don't actually want to come home to see like a package of chicken breast <clears throat> ruined and like an entire bottle of soy sauce, which I mean, we didn't, we absolutely did not have that much money growing up. Right. And so like, these are resources that I have like now tanked. And so my 11 year old self was like, so defensive and just like sad, you know, I was just like, how could you not like, I made you dinner. Like I, I, I went like a, a step above and beyond for you, you know, like that's how I want, like I wanted to nurture you and care. I wanted to make dinner when yes, there's weight to that, but also, I didn't want to get in so much trouble because I forgot to pull out the fucking chicken, you know, but like now, and I just remember feeling like, how could you like, so hurt by like, like, aren't you happy? Like that I did this for you. And now I am able to like, look back and be like, damn, that was a lot of chicken. And that was a lot of soy sauce. And sure. Like, is there like this middle ground of like, <laughs> like empathy on both sides? Sure. But damn man. Like I really did. I just like totally wrecked an entire thing of chicken. And so I don't know, I want to like go back to that time and like hug 11 year old me and also just like rub the back of my mom and be like, I fucked up and I'm so sorry. And also that was like probably a lot of money. And so like, forgive me, but I have memories like that of her and I often. And I think that so much of that book. I mean, it was, you know, she lost her mother under different circumstances. Also like their own relationships with like food and whatnot and each other, it, they looked different, but there were things that tethered me to that story and to the author and, and even to her mother that, um, was like really intimate. And like I said, just kind of made me crawl inside of my feelings and make a nest there and I am so grateful to the people that recommended that book. And, and without even, you know, like the fact that I went into it blind, I'm actually really grateful that I did that. You know, I was like, fuck it. I'm so many people have just recommended this book. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to check it out. I'm just going to listen to it. I really had no idea. And I'm, and I'm also really grateful for that. And more than anything, I think specifically like with this, podcast and with like my Facebook group. For those of you that don't know, I have a Facebook group called Feed Me a Story that is dedicated to storytelling and food. So with all of these things, it's like food is the bridge, right? Like even in my 
my business, with my bakery, right? Like it's me and it's community and like food is the bridge, right? And the fat and the art and the act of like feeding people. And so I did and I do, like I feel connected um, in all of these ways and, and food very much feels like the bridge to all of these things. And I don't know, I've just been thinking more about that, you know, like I'm, I'm in the process um, of writing a food adjacent memoir, right? And again, like that's the common, that's the common bridge, right, is, is food. And so I was really grateful to, to listen to that book and sort of like settle in there for a little bit and let myself like have those feelings and also think about all of the ways that that shows up in my own life and thinking about with my own kids um, and how I sometimes use food as a bridge. So similarly, you know, looking back on on what my mother was able to give me and connect with me. And sometimes it was that, right? I mean, like sometimes she didn't always have the words and I very much feel like that. Or sometimes she didn't always have the patience. Um, and I very much feel like that sometimes, but I also find myself, you know, as a mother does, or, you know, as a, as an individual does, but, you know, finding myself or catching myself lending comfort in, by way of food. Right. And so I'm sure that this is probably common, I think with most people, but I hope that, you know, you take this with you. If you haven't definitely, definitely just get the book. I actually do recommend listening to this book. I think that it was brilliant. Um, and even today, you know, like, uh, Scarlett was like really having a rough go this morning and like in her feelings. And, uh, we allow that in this house and encourage it. And, you know, like sometimes you just like need to like roll around in your feelings and that's super cool and okay. And I don't need to talk you out of your feelings. And I do my best to like hold space for that. I'm not perfect at it, you know, but I found myself normally Monday nights, we do pancake pajama party. Last week I made her an artichoke uh, because she was, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I need to start maybe paying attention to that more, but I don't know if she has like Monday scaries, you know, like if Mondays are just kind of like a weird transitional day for her, it kind of seems like that after I, as I verbalize this. Um, but yeah, I was like thinking about, you know, like maybe we could switch it up or like the time that I had zero time. And so I did frozen waffle pajama party thinking that she was going to be like, this is lame. And of course, you know, compared to my homemade pancakes with sourdough starter, she thought that it was like the coolest thing in the whole world that we were eating frozen waffles. And so I was like, Hmm, maybe I need to go in the second freezer and see if I have any more of those. But anyways, that's essentially my point is finding ways that we do that with food and like bridging gaps, um, or just like bridging to, to people and to cultures and to community, um, by way of food. And I'm grateful that, that we get to do that. And it puts me in my own feelings in, in, in a good way, you know, but that's kind of where I'm at today. It's just kind of introspective. And, um, yeah, if you can get your hands on that book, crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. And with that, 
I will lead y'all to it. I hope that you have a really good week and I will catch up with y'all next Monday. Bye.